Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite day of the week, probably, regardless of whatever day you're listening to this to, because we have no idea when you listen to it. But yeah, welcome back to Diamond Talk, man. We've had some like drama-filled week, right? And it has to do with some sticky icky. It has to do with some players getting hurt, unfortunately. But more than anything, man, it's kind of it's kind of been a wild week, both in a good way and and a bad way, right? We have some guys mashing like they've never mashed before, putting up ridiculous numbers. But unfortunately, we also have some some pretty big stories that are gonna have effect for the rest of this year, man. But yo, Rob, Nick, how you guys doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good. Good to be here with you guys. Definitely excited to talk some baseball. But yeah, kind of how you pointed out, it, it's some of these topics that we're about to get into. It's it's all great fun from a baseball fan in terms of, of guys performing well and things like that. But then some of these other topics, it's unfortunate that here's another year of baseball and there's still these types of things that we have to get into. I'm doing excellent. Uh, there are very few episodes that I've looked more to than with our topics on here because I know I'm going to piss some people off and some people that I know in real life. And I'm also going to make some people real happy. And just hope to uh, kind of widen the context and the perspective of some baseball fans out there. Yo, you heard Nick. You pretty much said fuck everybody. That's what I got. I don't, I don't know if that's what you heard, Rob. But that, that's what I heard. I heard uh, Nick pretty yeah, much pretty, saying. Pretty much, pretty much. But it, it, that, that look, man, whatever Nick says, that's on him. Nick, Nick, Nick's a grown man. He could defend himself. So I, I'm, I'm sure he's not worried. He shouldn't be. That's, he's, a, he's a pretty big boy, too, from what I've heard. Six foot, 200 pounds. Like, after he lost, like, 25, now he's all just all muscle. All right, we got we to stop giving yeah, Nick so much credit, Italian man. Italian muscle, man. Italian That's what I'm saying. I heard he's bro, being... undercutting like a mofo. I lost 90 pounds. Come on, bro. <laughs> I heard I heard he's training for the Rocky remake. So, but, like, in like in, in San Francisco. Yeah, the Colorado Rocky remake. Trying <laughs> yeah. To get yeah, I mean, any Rocky is, is pretty much better than Colorado at this point. That's, I mean, I... Like you're not wrong, right? Like I wish you were wrong. But you're not wrong. <laughs> no, I, really, I really can't be. I really can't be. I mean, I, I mean, he, we can say whatever we want about our team playing bad baseball, but at least the Yankees ain't the Rockies, you know. Like at, le- at least there's there's some bounce back from this, whether it's a season or two from now. But yeah, I, I'm not trying to be Colorado at this moment. And legit, right now, I have a better chance of being a Colorado Rocky than the remake of Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Is this, probably get a tryout. Is, is this like a two-week span where we just shit on the Rockies for like no reason? I feel like we did this last week too, where for no reason I mean, whatsoever we just baseball. said, fuck them. There's they a great reason. They have four wins on the road all year. Four wins all year on the road. There's a great reason to shit on the Rockies. That is that is hard to do, man. They are historically fucking awful. And I think Arizona's worse than them. I think Isn't Arizona last place in that division? I don't know, man. It's... It's, I'm not even, yeah, I'm not even sure at this point, but Arizona is another one of those teams where it's just like, hey, yo, start selling some of those pieces, specifically right. to the Yankees. Yes, <laughs> give us everyone we can take because we need literally everybody. Seriously, yo. Bro. So yo, look, let, let's get started, man. Like, I think the big topic of discussion is it, it started with the substances, right? With the illegal substances on the baseball, as I will call it, because I like saying the word sticky icky. The sticky surface on the baseballs that pitchers are putting there, uh, quote unquote, illegally. And this is a this is something that started a few weeks back with you know social media guys saying hey look this guy's doing it this guy's doing it MLB looked into it they said hey look we're gonna start suspending guys uh, starting the minor leagues they knew the, the, the suspensions were coming to major leagues and man it what I'm telling you like it has kind of altered the way we we look at baseball from from that perspective that has definitely happened. But also, like, there's been some other snitching going around. And not, not snitching because, you know, it's not their job not to tell us, right? But, you know, now stuff has come out that, you know, the Yankees have been cheating over the last few years. The Red Sox, obviously. The Dodgers uh, of, of all teams have, have been caught, uh, you know, quote-unquote cheating with different stuff. 
So it's kind of running rampant. But because all that kind of stuff is like speculatory, we're just going to stick to the to substance stuff. And Rob, I think this, the, the best place to start us is with this, the, the Tyler Glass now quote, man. Because what he said yesterday kind of gives the gives you an insight into the difference between the way baseball players are affected to it and the way that fans are going to see it, man. So if you can please lead us off with that, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, right, right before I get into the quote, I think it's important to to point out, you know, before before Tyler Glass now got into, you know, drop it. His, his quote is basically what got this conversation even even uh, emphasized even more, right? Because before he dropped this quote, we were kind of just all under the impression of Tyler Glass now has you know a torn UCL. He's more than likely going to need Tommy John. He's going to be done for the year. Sucks for the Rays, right? And then he went ahead uh, right after those news had come out. And this is a, a direct quote, uh, quote from Glass now in which he said, "Do it." this is in regards to uh, MLB's uh, memo with the, uh, with the uh, sticky substance situation. He said, do it in the offseason. Give us a chance to adjust to it. But I just threw 80 innings. Then you tell me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I have to change everything I've been doing the entire season. I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. Now, I know that when a lot of people hear this quote, there's going to be a lot of different opinions on it. But to be honest with you, I think there's got to be some truth to it, right? I think the problem here is a lot of people are going to see a lot of people are going to see things that are said from glass now, things that are said from Trevor Bauer, who's been very vocal about these issues. Um, You know, in some ways, we're watching Garrett Cole get pinned as somewhat of a scapegoat, right? Kind of kind of being put as like the 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 golden boy of like this, the sticky substance situation. Right. But, you know, I think, I think it's something we're going to keep seeing from, from a lot of these players. I don't think the players have an issue with the changes being, being made. I think they have an issue with the way that the changes are being implemented. Like, I, I don't think that they have an issue with, you know, you making changes to, Oh, you can't use this type of, of substance or whatever. I think the players are just um kind of in a way, just, signaling to to the MOB and to, to Rob Manfred, who, who's the current commissioner, to to make the changes when they find it appropriate, right? Like Glass now pointed out, it's a middle of the season change, essentially. A lot of pitchers, and the reason why we say a lot of pitchers is because, again, this isn't a one-pitcher situation. We know already, we've talked about it before, we're, we're looking at 80-90% of the league that's using some type of substance to, to to, to you know to to help their performance right so I think I think Glasnow's comments are, are very interesting um like I said I think this is gonna be hilarious honestly when the time for the new CBA comes and I think that's pretty much approach approaching because if I'm not mistaken I think they had begun negotiations recently and the CBA expires this year so I'm sure that this is gonna be a very big talking point when it comes to that um to be honest with you it's I, this isn't gonna be the last time that we talk about it this is gonna be something that we keep seeing pieces added to this topic as the months go by. I think I think it's just the start, to be honest with you. I think we're going to see a lot more pitchers being more vocal, um, especially when those changes come. I think a lot of hitters are going to start being more vocal, right? Because it's in a way, um, I mentioned this earlier, but in a way, it's funny to me how this is turning into like a hitters versus pitchers thing when I don't think that either group is is kind of the, the main problem group in the situation. I, I think you have to stare back at the MLB. You have to stare back at the sport. Um, I know that we're not going to, you know, necessarily, it, it's it's not 100% uh, Rob Manfred's fault, but I would say it's probably the majority of his fault in the present, right? Like you're the current commissioner. We can point out things that happened 20 seasons ago, 100 seasons ago or whatever. We can recognize that as cheating. We're not saying that it's not, but at the same time, it's like we can't change any of that. 
right? So it's like, we're here today. There are changes that need to be implemented. I said when the whole cheating thing went down with Houston, use this opportunity in 2017 as the opportunity to uh, make your rules stricter, to uh, put the right punishments and consequences in place to make it so that players don't want to cheat. And I mean, look at what the memo that they just dropped. It's essentially a paid vacation for pitchers if you get caught with a substance. I mean, yeah, great, great punishment. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It, it, it's just laughable at this point. And and that that's pretty much where I'm at. Like, it's my issue is we all know that cheating is occurring. I know people have different opinions on whether they want PEDs in baseball, steroids back, whatever. But I just think at some point the rules need to be made clear so that we don't have so much back and forth between groups of players, right? Like if the rules are clear and you break them, then there you go. Here's your consequence. But I just don't think that MLB has done enough to kind of scare players away from what they've been doing. Yeah, and, and I want to stick with the I want to stick with the Tyler Glass now point right now. We'll, we'll get we'll get into some of the MLB and what they could and should, and and what could have been later because there is a pretty cool, uh, collision don't quote with that. But j- just sticking with the Tyler Glass now stuff and his comments, um, look, this is what we're gonna see, and, and, and I hate to say it, but I agree hundred percent with Tyler Glass now. And Pedro Martinez went on MLB tonight and he started saying like, "Oh, Tyler Glass now, what are you talking about?" All you have to do is use, use a little sweat and you put it on the rods. And, and it's like, look, baseball players aren't all built the same, right? Like Pedro Martinez, he's, he, he has some famously big hands for a person of his, of his stature, right? Like that was, that's what made his changeup so dominating, the fact that he did have those long-ass fingers. Look, Tyler Glass now is a tall-ass dude, but historically he's had some, some issues with command in the past. Like everyone talks about the how the, the, the Rays absolutely like – took, you know, all the gold from Pittsburgh during that trade. But if we look back on it, Tyler Glass now was a guy who couldn't stay on the field and didn't have command of his stuff. And, bro, what's his, what's his name? Austin Meadows? He can't play the field. So what the hell is he going to do in Pittsburgh where he has to play the field? So, you know, all that aside, those are just like that's a side note that pisses me off. Like, oh, they stole from, from the Pittsburgh Park. But, you know, t- taking it back to Tyler Glass now stuff, look, like that definitely is going to affect your pitchers. If you have someone prepping and preparing – like you said, the last 80 innings, which obviously has been more than that, right, when you take into account spring training and what he did to get prepared for that. And now you're telling him, hey, look, by the way, I know you've been throwing this ball this way, and, and this is the feeling you, you're accustomed to. But by the way, now we're going to change that for you because we don't because you know you're going to be fearful of suspension. That absolutely is going to change the way you go about it, right? And, you know, be, you know, being a former baseball player myself, it's one of those things where those little things make huge differences, right? Your comfort level, your mentality, which I'm sure Nick is going to get to get into right now when I, when I kick it over to him. But again, like try to take the fandom out of it and, and see like what the real everyday issues are. Like imagine, imagine if you're like sitting at your desk and your boss says, yo, by the way, we're going to take out, take away your big ass keyboard and give you this one, like, like phone size keyboard. And you have to use that for the rest of your fucking time here. You're going to be pissed. You're going to be worse. You know, you, you might get carpal tunnel. I don't know from, from the injury standpoint. But the point is, it, it does kind of change things. So, Nick, I'm going to kick it to you because I know this is kind of a, an issue that you've probably seen and, and are more attractive as a pitcher. But, man, what, what do you got for us? Uh, yeah, there's a lot to this. And to the – I didn't know the Pedro part. Um, I don't have television any longer, so I don't get to see the MLB tonight. But, I mean, I love me some Pedro Martinez. I got you, man, some, I got you some legal channels when you need it, buddy, because I, I use I use a, a legal oh, – Oh, not kinda, on the air. Not on the air, bro. I mean, that's off-air stuff. Fed's watching. Fed's watching. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Pedro's one of my all-time favorites, but this is where he just, he just needs to sit down and shut up. He's nine inches shorter 
than Tyler Glasnow. He has no idea what Tyler Glasnow is going through. Yeah, great, man. Congratulations. Sweat and rosin work for you. <laughs> you're not nine inches taller. He And you're right. Pedro Martinez has, you know, pretty big hands for his size, which, you know, good call out because I actually did not know that. So more knowledge for me. I like it. But I guarantee you Tyler Glasnow has bigger hands. And when you have bigger hands, pitchers are supposed to throw the ball at the fingertips. Well, bigger hands means there's more space. There's actually going to be less contact. There's less control. And from a mentality standpoint, for all the people out there who are telling Tyler Glasnow to shut up, if you have not pitched at a competitive level above Little League or junior high, like if you haven't pitched on varsity high school or higher, you really need to take a seat because pitching is so much more mental than it is physical. It's absolutely crazy. And if you tell a guy who, let's be honest, he's in the line for a Cy Young season right now. He's at the top of his game. He is doing everything he can to cement himself and put himself in the conversation of a top 10, top five pitcher in the game and maybe win the best pitcher of the year award in the AL. Hey, guess what? You've got to change stuff. It's a physical action that he's performing. And when you change his physical standards of what he can do, that's a big mental thing. And we've talked about it before where, you know, a core injury can end up hurting a pitcher's arm or a core injury can end up hurting a hitter's legs because you're thinking about the injury and other stuff falls aside. That's a big deal. And knowing the exact words that Tyler Glasnow uses, I am absolutely 100% on his side because when you change what you can physically do in the middle of a year, especially in the middle of a year where you're excelling and what you're doing is getting you great success, not a Borat comment, just great success. Like, it is the injury is because of the change. It's not because he can't use spider tack anymore. I don't think he's blaming the lack of using spider tack compared to using rosin and sunscreen. It's the immediate change to not get suspended. And it's the immediate change of what he's allowed to do. He's thinking about other things instead of thinking about where his hand is along the path to throw the ball or where his leg is when he plants or where he's pushing off. He's thinking about, damn, am I going to let this ball go into this guy's head? And he throws 100 miles an hour, and he seems like a good dude. I'm sure he doesn't want to throw at somebody's head. When you change something so significant in the middle of a year, and in particular in a middle of a year where he's going well, because if you're going well, you're not tinkering. You're not trying to change things. If he had a crap year, if he had a 5 ERA with a 2 whip, I'm sure he's tinkering already, and he's probably trying everything he can do, and he's thinking of a million things. But when you're going good as a pitcher – for anybody who's seen the the movie Love for the Love of the Game with Kevin Costner, that is absolutely it. You are in a zone and you're not thinking. You see the glove, you throw to the glove, and that's all it is to it when it comes to pitching when you're in the zone. And he's in the zone. And they threw a big-time curveball, no pun intended, at him right now. So, yeah, I think the change caused his injury. I don't think the lack of using spider tech caused his injury. Yeah, yeah, and 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 one thing that that and I know I know we haven't fully seen the the, the glass interview, but he himself said, "Hey, look, I don't even use spider tack or or whatever the substance is called." He he goes with the old school sunscreen and, and rosin. But the thing is, you know, players have been called out so for, for that the last few whatever. And, and according to the last CBA vote, the they, they allowed pitchers to use like sunscreen and and the rosin bag, right? Apparently, it was agreed on by both hitters and, and pitchers. I don't know how true that is, right? But either way, the point is that that you can't change that stuff in the middle of the year. You know, it's like 
you're taking the middle of a basketball season and saying, hey, you know what? Let's make the hoop 12 feet instead of instead of your 10. Actually, I'm not sure if it's 10 or 12, but you, you get the point, right? It's like changing what, what your mechanics are to, to do, right? And he talked about having to move the ball from the tip of his fingers deeper into his hand and just think about, like, people don't understand how much pressure goes into a major league, leaguer throwing a ball, right? Like, if you throw hard, that's so much um, torque that happens on your elbow, on your arm. That's why guys get injured, right? Like, throwing that hard is not a natural motion. That's why you can pitch softball like 18 billion days in a row and, and be okay when it comes to baseball because the action is so unnatural. It's one of those things where you, you do get hurt and you do get that soreness because that's not a way your body's supposed to move. So, you know, just changing a little bit of that in your hand and change the way it releases, that's going to hurt your elbow. That's going to hurt your shoulder. That's going to hurt do a whole bunch of things to you, right? Because now you're looking for that spin. But now you're looking for those things that get you to where you want to go. And if, if you can't find it, you're going to struggle, man. But, you know, I want to talk, touch on one on um, one of Rob's second points really quick. And that's uh, Rob Manfred and, and, and the cheating scandals and nipping in the butt. Look, I will say, look, I don't know how many of you people know. I, say, I feel like I say it every other podcast. But I myself am an, I'm a lawyer. And Rob Manfred is also a lawyer. And the one thing I can tell you, lawyers are the worst people to fucking run anything. Because we are so concerned about precedent and the rules and what it means when it should really, in some cases, it isn't that hard, right? We make it harder than it has to be. And, and I remember back to when when the Astros got caught cheating, like Rob Manfred's quote was like, hey, look, there hasn't been precedent set for this. I don't want to be the person that sets it. And he's like, yo, 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 First of all, we fucking like voted you in for you to set precedents and make these hard decisions. Thank you. Like, so, so, so you shut Thank the fuck you. up and, and, make a, and make a fucking choice. Don't just don't just say hey it's never happened in history like we're not I'm not gonna be gonna be the one to do it like that's fucking stupid first of all Dude, you're this not man going... took the job and don't want to do the job that's what I'm saying that's yeah, basically like, what it is <laughs> like, this, this motherfucker wants a supreme court a supreme court ruling on why the Astros like should get fucking the title. yeah he wants like, the yo, title of MLB commissioner I'm like well then act like the commissioner and do something right we need to change his name to Kermit the Frog because he's an absolute puppet like. Dude, that's, that's that's literally the only point I was making about Rob Manfred. It's like, look, every time we talk about Rob Manfred, it's not to single out, like, M- Manfred all the time. Like, I'm not trying to just be like, Rob Manfred this, Rob Manfred that. But, like, the truth is we are in the present. We are in 2021. Like, okay, we can't go back and think about all the seasons before. Guess what? Those seasons passed. We can't go back and change the rules of those seasons. We can change the rules of the seasons to come. And in 2017, like you said, he had a chance to set a precedent, establish the rules so that these kind of things don't happen again. And he did absolutely nothing. So that's why I said... I'm not saying that what's happening now with all this sticky uh, substance stuff and everything and, and with all the players and everything, I'm not saying that all of that is trickle down because of what happened with Houston, but some of it for sure is when your job is to set the president, the, the precedent of consequences that are supposed to come to this type of cheating of, of any level of cheating, really, and you refuse to do that, then yeah, some of the trickle down is from that. You are failing to do your job. Absolutely, dude. I, absolutely. And we see it, we see it now where now, you know, so I'm going to kick it to the Carlos Rendon quote, right? He, he pitched a no-hitter this year. One of the 49 players in the MLB who pitched a no-hitter this year. Um, you know, Carlos Rendon pretty much said, look, what do you want us to do, right? Like, we, we saw what happened to the last cheaters who systematically cheated, right? This was like an organization just saying, yo, Boston Walls, we're all just going to fucking go all in on this. And you gave him no suspension. You gave him literally n- nothing, no repress, n- nothing. And now you're going to tell me that I'm going to get suspended if you find a little – a little something weird on my hand and I get to spend 10 games for that. Like, yeah, they get paid 10 days, but yo, these guys want to be out there, right? Someone like Carlos Rendon, who's, who's coming off probably what's going to be one of his best years 
he wants to be out there. He, he doesn't want to be suspended over sunflower seed dust yeah. in, on his hands or whatever. So it's you know it's one of those things where it's true. Like, look, if, if you're gonna be, don't start coming at me over rules now, right? Like, and, and I think it's the part that that annoys the fans, it annoys the players. It's these suspensions now they're all willy nilly, like throwing at somebody and not hitting them. It's like, oh, by the way, you're suspended three games. I mean, we don't want to see you. What did I do wrong? I don't know. You looked at him funny. Like what? You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it's, it's 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 some. I mean, some of the suspensions are, are getting a little ridiculous. But it's like you said. I think I think the problem too is that like everyone saw what happened with Houston. Like and and when I say everyone, I mean like everyone. Like people who don't watch baseball every day saw what happened with Houston, right? So now everyone has like this idea of like of the punishment that that Houston got and everything like that. And the players saw that as well. And they're just like, oh, well, since you're not doing anything with Houston, then we have to do something, right? Which goes back to how I said, like a lot of people are looking at this turning into like a hitter versus pitcher thing because a lot of pitchers have said, have said there have been, you know, in the reports that came out of when, when all this stuff was dropping, there have been, oh, you know, this unanimous, uh, this uh, uh, anonymous pitcher or whatever made this comment saying that a lot of the pitchers feel like, okay, we have to do something to even the playing field so it's like you are making it like a like a, a pitcher versus hitter thing the mlb in in not doing anything to establish rules that that can that can effectively be put in place and that are seen as as you know sufficient a, a sufficient form of punishment for cheating without establishing those rules you are turning it into like a mob mentality like mob versus mob mentality between your own players in a way and that and and honestly that that's what's kind of sad about it it is sad, man, and this is uh, one last thing for, for, uh, on this topic because we got we do got to move on some other stuff. But look, look, I'll say this: cheating has been happening in, in not just baseball in all sports for years. The difference is a lot of times when when like commissioners and stuff see like that's such an unfair advantage, you know, they'll, they'll make it into a rule the next year or the next or, or a couple of years. Like, okay, this is really having an effect. We got to change it. One, that's not happening with the MLB, right? We're trying to fix things as they are that same day, and and like it's reactive and. The one thing in, in any industry, being reactive, unless you're a firefighter, it's one of those things where it's like, ah, you're probably not going to do too well, right? Like, like you, you should probably think things through before just putting rules and, and suspensions out there. The second thing is, and this is one that I know a lot of people aren't going to agree with, and it's not even something that's that big a point, but like, yo, I kind of blame the nerds. Like, I, I blame I blame all the, like, the new technology, not the new technology, but the way we think about baseball today, because think about the ways that people are trying to get advantage, right? Like the the whole rate spin, spin rate and stuff like that. Like, yeah, we knew that if you throw hard, you get out, right? But now that you have actual numbers to it, you have guys trying to reach those numbers instead of trying to be better pitchers and better, better players, right? Like we see, we see guys now, they get paid more money, aka Zach Wheeler, for being mediocre, but having those metrics – than they do for being out there like a guy like Hal Hendricks and putting numbers up in day, day in and day out, right? And granted, look, look we really having a good year this year, but, but my point is, though, like, I feel like a lot of it has to do with these nerds, right? Like, all the video camera shit, like, come on. Like, MLB players are smart, but I, I don't know. Nick, Yo, Nick, real quick before we move on from it. this, I've got, I've got three, three topics or three kind of points on this. Number one, uh, all the players are saying, it's pitchers-wise, not the hitters. The players are saying this should have been enforced in the middle of the year. And I absolutely agree with that. And there's a couple ways. So first, sorry, I'm going to jump a little bit to point three. Rob Manfred, you're a fucking idiot. This is where I start pissing people off. You are the worst person that's ever been in any sort of MLB position in the history of the game. How did you become a lawyer? I have no idea. 
how did you get your job? I know, I, I truly feel that the MLB owners feel they could control you. By the way, so, lawyer part is real easy, guys. Real easy. It's real easy to become a lawyer, I promise. Well, then there you go. I guess he just did it long enough and took the test enough times to get in there. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But it, it, it seems so easy. I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm not going to be the smartest person in my house. And the next closest in age to me is only 10 years old. And I'm actually, I know I'm not the smartest person in my house. Anyway, it's really easy. You enforce all the rules that you want to do next year. Guess what, bro? Rob Manfred, you're not even making a rule. You're just setting the actual definition of what happens if you break the rule. So here's what you do. Give them three strikes you're out this year. If you really don't want them using spider tag or anything but rosin, then guess what? If you break it one time, that's a warning. You break it a second time, it's another warning. The third time, that's when something happens. And since you're giving them two chances to not break the rule and to follow the rules, there's plenty of time for those players to make an adult decision to do the right thing. But any sort of enforcement of the rules should have been done next year. Here's the other thing. Literally every hitter is on record saying they're okay with rosin and sunscreen. So here's what you do. Put a rosin bag behind the mound. Put some approved sunscreen behind the mound. Or put a concoction that all the pitchers are okay with of a mixture between the two. Give them what you want them to use that the hitters are okay with them using. Done deal. That's a super easy solution. And it's not even that difficult to come up with. But ultimately, as, as we said last week, and I've heard other people say, this is a PED. This is a performance-enhancing drug. It's not a drug, but it's a performance enhancer. So here you go. It's the same punishment as with PEDs. It's a performance enhancer, same exact punishment. You're actually not making anything up. You're following the punishments that are already in set or that are already set in the league for another infraction of a rule. It just seems so easy to me of how this could have been handled. And Rob Manfred, with him and all his advisors, screwed this up on a level that is crazy because it's not that difficult. They're making it so much more difficult than it needs to be. Everything is there in front of you with no thought, not even a lot of hard work. It takes maybe 15 minutes with two kind of smart people to come up with those solutions. The last thing I want to bring up is... This whole spin rate thing might be fully overblown. I did look into it this week, and MLB has changed the way that they track spin rate, not just how they're doing it and how much they're doing it, but with actual technology. It first started in 2015 with, I believe it's called Pitch Track, and then it went to Risotto, and now it's with another thing that um, Driveline is using up in Seattle. So they've actually changed the technology they're using to track this. There are variables in that as well. I truly think the spin rate is overblown. What I believe is happening is the use of extra sticky substance outside of rosin and sunscreen has expanded across the league. And it's gone from a few guys who are in the know to league wide. And that is where the problem is. So the extra substance is absolutely the problem, but it's not, I don't really think it's the substance itself. It's how much it's being used. And it is driving down the offense in the game. There's no way around that. So there does need to be a change. But what I think a lot of people don't really know because nobody's really looking into this is how is this stuff being tracked? When you change how you track something, the accuracy of it is going to be different variables along the way. If I'm not mistaken, the original pitch track that they were using, they said the variable is 5%. That's a couple hundred RPMs. Now it's within 0.1%. So that's pretty exact. There's a whole lot of variables going into this, but ultimately MLB screwed this up big time. The, the punishment should have handed out next year. 
You can do staggered punishments if somebody is intentionally breaking the rules this year. So Tyler Glasnow, he can make some adjustments to go to what he's used to and to not be scared of what he's doing. Because if he is doing something truly illegal, he gets two chances before he gets punished rather than the first time you're getting punished. But also, you could have made the punishments instead of coming up with something new, go exactly what it was to PEDs. But ultimately, all the pitchers are right. Don't do this in the middle of the year. And if you're not going to punish the Astros, as we were just talking about, how are you going to punish individual pitchers in the middle of the year when you're not even going to take away a championship from a team who not only cheated, but they they did something completely out of left field. They literally took somebody else's signs and told their hitters what's coming. That's so much different than using a more sticky substance, in my opinion. There you have it, man. Yo, by the way, Banana Boat, this is a great this is a great sponsorship opportunity for you guys. Call up the MLB, be like, yo, look, we want a Banana Boat, like, sunscreen thing behind every mound so that when the cameras are looking in, you see, you know, Max Scherzer next to a, next to a thing, a Banana Boat, and, and bring some more beach balls to the, to the stadium. That is my, um, what's it called? My uh, Rob Manfred idea. For AL gets Banana day. Boat, NL gets tri- uh, Hawaiian Top Tropic or whatever it is. There it is. There it is. We got solutions for everybody. Make that money, folks. Yo, let, let, let's move on. Let's move on to um, some stuff that I'm not going to enjoy and Rob's not going to enjoy either. But, like, this is a baseball show, so you have to talk about it. And and it's the Boston Red Sox. And, and by the way, I've said this before. Like, the race could go 162-0 and, and it won't bother me. Like, Toronto could win 18 World Series. It won't bother me. But if the Red Sox are successful in any way, that does bother me because I, I consider them a legitimate, um, like, major league sports franchise. But, yo, taking to the Red Sox, look, man, they have the fourth best record in baseball. And they're being led by guys like Xander Bogarts, possibly the best offensive shortstop in the game. You guys can debate that or you guys can, you know, add your caveats to that. You know, Rafael Devers has said, hey, look, I know you guys thought I had a fluke season two years ago, but I'm back and I'm killing it. JD's back being JD. And – you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe not a surprise, but a guy that's been doing probably paying a little bit more above his pay grade than we thought he was going to do, and that's Alex Verdugo, absolutely killing it, man. So look, this is a team that's only going to get healthier, right? There, there's uh, rumors of the Chris Sale return, which you know we know how good Chris Sale is making uh, what's his face bend the knee during the World Series. But yo, Rob, I'm going to kick it to you, right? Because I know that me and you have to cry first and laugh later, or whatever the Drake saying is. I'm pretty sure it's the other way around. But still, my point is, man, look, Red Sox are killing it right now. There's a good chance they they keep this going through July and into you know September, possibly making the playoffs. But man, look, what are you seeing there? Is this do you do you feel in your hearts of hearts that this is something that that's gonna be season long? Uh I don't I don't think it is. I don't I don't think it is. I don't haterade, haterade. Guys, Sox. just send that email. He's drinking that haterade. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. But it's it's just an honest opinion because if they had better pitching, I'd say yes. But but they don't. So then I just have to I have to lean on that, right? It's like we can make whatever argument of of you know they've been pay, they've been playing really good baseball. They have the fourth best record in baseball. Um, and like you said, a lot of it is is honestly just coming from their offense. Whether it's Xander Bogarts and you rightfully said he more than likely is the top shortstop in baseball right now. Xander Bogart. Yes, he like, is. Yeah, like he's trying to like have that crown and keep it because, I, I mean, dude is just it year in and year out just putting up numbers for Boston. Rafael Devers and JD both, you know, having bounce back years to to their 
to kind of like those prime uh, top elite years that they had. And Verdugo, look, Verdugo is Verdugo. And what I mean by that is people keep, people keep pounding on the kid because he's not Mookie Betts. Guess what? He's never going to be Mookie Betts. That does not, that does not negate the possibility of him being a good baseball player. This kid, since he became a, a, a like a full-time-ish player for the Dodgers in 2019, he has a 297 batting average. All this kid does is pretty much make contact, right? And guess what? More, more often than not, he makes contact for hits. Like he he's gonna be a really good baseball player for Boston. Like I, I understand. I'm not saying that the pa- the package con- uh, evens out or anything like that. But I'm just saying the kid is showing like, hey, I'm not a waste. Like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a pretty good baseball player. And and like I said, I think it just falls back on the pitching. And the reason it falls back on the pitching is because I can't point to any one of their starters and be like, wow, you're amazing. You're killing it this year. Like I can't do that. I, I can't do that. It's literally just been a situation of them leaning real heavy on their offense and getting what they can from their bullpen occasionally, getting what they can from their starters occasionally. But that's why I say, is a Chris Sale return on the horizon, right? Like a lot of people think Chris Sale might make a return towards the end of this season. Who knows? But I'm just saying like, he is a guy. Like Chris Sale is an ace pitcher. Like if he comes back healthy, then yeah, Boston, and, and, and if Boston can keep up, you know, the offense, yeah, at the end of the season, like if you're if you're telling me that Chris Sale is going to come back healthy at the end of the year and we see him throw in the regular season and look good and you're heading into the postseason, like if they're, if Boston makes the postseason, you're heading into the postseason with someone like Chris Sale leading your rotation, oh yeah, then I'm feeling dope for you, like uh, by, by all means. But at the, at the same time, like it's just like, it's just like, yo, like I don't know. Right. Like, I, I really don't know. I think I think it's a, it's a situation where where they're going to have to they're going to have to hope that they're pitching like kind of holds up. And I just don't see it happening this year. But I mean, I might be wrong. We'll see. But right now I can't even even if they're our, our, our enemy, I can't negate the fact they're playing really good baseball. They are playing really good baseball, man. Like, And, and here's what I'm going to say. Right. Offensively, when they lost Mookie Betts, yeah, Mookie's a big bat. But that was that was an entire lineup that was pretty decent, right? They did have a, a down year last year, um, you know, sixty game season. So who knows what would happen through one sixty two? But you know, I, I think one of the big things that helps them is Alex Verdugo is going from a a role player to an everyday guy to now a difference maker, and that's the biggest thing, right? He's he's showing out to be more than an everyday guy. He's 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 really an impact player at this point. He's coming up with big hits when they when it matters. He's getting on base for those guys like J.D. Martinez and, and, and Rafael Devers and, and Xander Bogarts, right? Those are, those are like, the, the big things. But even bigger than that is that fundamentally, they're, they're a very good baseball team. You know what I mean? And, and that's something that you can't say for, for the rival Yankees where they're fundamentally fucking terrible, right? You have, you have you know, there's no way that you can compare Alfred Dugo and Mookie Mets. Mookie Betts. I wasn't Mookie Mets. He wishes. Or the Mets wish. Anyway, you know, <laughs> the point is... There are two different players, but Alex Verdugo is excelling at his role, and he's doing exactly what he needs to do for that team to be successful. They don't need him to to be a, a thirty home run guy. They, they just need him to get on base, make contact, you know, be annoying, right? And and here's the part that's kind of like that's kind of some old school baseball stuff right there, right? Because he puts the ball in play, and that's how they're winning, right? They, they feel the ball on defense. They're not spectacular by any stretch of the imagination, but they make the they, they make the play they they make the plays they need to. Right, they don't run themselves out of out of innings. They have guys that can absolutely bop. Yo, Nick, I'll kick it to you. 
Man, I don't know how much you've seen of the Red Sox this year, but what, what's your feeling on them? Uh, they're legit, and here's why they're legit. It's because they're doing it by banging the ball. They're not relying on pitching, and they're not a one-pitcher injury away like a Tyler Glass now from the Rays. They're not a one-pitcher injury away of being you know, down in the dumps. So that's a big deal. And the thing I, I did a lot of looking into their numbers, Bogarts is killing it. Devers, Devers is one of the players in the league that makes me love baseball. When I look at him on the field – and when I watch his swing and when I see what he how he carries himself, I'm like, how is this guy this good? It doesn't make sense. But then when you go, when I go and look at the numbers, it makes a lot more sense. And then it kind of puts it all together. And Devers is just, he's banging the ball. He's leading the league in doubles. And a lot of baseball people will tell you that doubles are just home runs where the fence was a little too far. But if you're a banger for doubles, you're probably going to get a lot of home runs eventually. It's just a little bit of luck or a little bit of adjustment. And he's leading the league in doubles. But overall, I mean, the team is just banging it out. J.D.'s back to his normal self. And when you have J.D. Martinez back to his normal self after the year he had last year, I mean, J.D. Martinez can almost carry a team a week at a time if he needs to. And that's that's what's really going on. But they're second in the AL in runs, and you win games by scoring runs. And if you're going to continue to be second league in runs, you're probably going to win a lot of games regardless of how your pitching is. And to Rob's point, their pitching is pretty trash. And this time of the year – it's easier to go get a stud pitcher who's going to continue to pitch well than it is to go get a stud hitter that's going to continue to hit well. And we're, and we're coming up on trade season, and they're also possibly getting Chris Sale back. And even 80% of old Chris Sale is probably a number three starter on any rotation in Major League Baseball. So even if you only get 80% of Chris Sale, that's an amazing addition. If you happen to get 92 to 94% of Chris Sale... That's a top-end guy. If by some chance you get 100% of Chris Sale, you have arguably the best pitcher in the game coming in at the end of the season to boost that rotation. And just some numbers. Uh, offensively, like I just said, they're number two in runs. They're number one in doubles. They're number three in average. They're number three in OPS. They're number three in slugging. And when you go to the flip side for pitching, they're number eight in ERA. It's kind of like you have nowhere to go but up. They're number two in strikeouts. So one of the things when you talk about the FIP, which I hate FIP, but you're talking about the three true outcomes, and that's where the MLB is going. They're number two in strikeouts, just total number. It's a good number to have if that's where you're going as a, as a league. And they're number 13 in whip. Again, they're at the bottom of the league in pitching. They can kind of only go up. So if your pitching just gets better and you have Chris Sale possibly going back and you go out and trade for an arm that might be out there, like you said last week, Daniel, Herman Marquez, if you go out there and trade for that one arm and you got Chris Sale going back and you get two frontline starters to help that rotation, once you help the rotation, it's only going to help the bullpen. I really see this as being legit because J.D. Martinez has proven it for years. Xander Bogarts has proven it for years. Rafael Devers, at this point, has proven it for years. And here's where I'm going to piss off a lot of Dodgers fans. Everybody loves when they feel their guy is better than somebody else who's a brand name. They always do the player A, player B comparison. Hey, look at these numbers, guys. Who do you choose? Because they know it's going to go in the favor of the way they wanted to do it. If not, they would just put the names out there. Well, Alex Verdugo, has, his average this year is 291. Mookie Betts, 258. Mookie, uh, Alex Verdugo on base percentage, 349. Betts has got him there at 371 because Betts has got a great eye and he walks a lot, where Verdugo does not. He just swings at it. Uh, slugging percentage, Verdugo, 470. Mookie Betts, 462. Very small difference, but Verdugo is better. 
and Mookie Betts has them in OPS. But runs, they're both at 40. Home runs, Verdugo's got nine, Mookie's got five. RBIs, Verdugo's got 31, and Mookie's got 25. Right now, by most of the basic categories that you would do an A and B comparison, Verdugo is hitting better than Mookie Betts. That's crazy to think about, but it shows you how good Verdugo can be and might be for a while. And when you have four guys that are doing that well offensively, that's almost half of your lineup. And three of them have years of proving this as their track record. I don't see their offense coming down. And with this whole thing around the sticky substance we just talked about, if the hitting is only going to go up from here, good Lord, what are we thinking? What's going to happen here? It's just crazy. And I'm going to piss off the Yankees fans right now. The Yankees need to be selling. You guys are terrible right now, and there is nothing on the horizon that's going to look any better anytime soon. Trade some pieces that you can trade and start building for literally next year and the years going forward, but take the chips that you have and just make it happen. This is a time for the Yankees to sell. I don't see them coming out of the East or even a wild card because I don't see the Red Sox going down. The Rays have so much depth. It's crazy. They're not going anywhere either. It's time. And the Blue Jays are just right there, ready to just go crazy. They have two potential MVPs on their team with Vladito and with uh, Kevin Biggio just came back from injury as well. And then uh, the uh, Bichette. So they've got a couple of guys that are just uh, the Yankees time to sell. But the, I think the Red Sox are here to stay for this year. They're going to make it really interesting the whole year. I, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna disagree for the, the Yankee time to sell. But we we say that for another episode because we do have some other stuff we, we got go. Yeah, through. let me just let me just let me just quickly say two things. Uh, just just want to say something quick on on Verdugo. Uh, I think it's unfortunate for Verdugo that he he's gonna be part of that Mookie Betts trade because I think there's gonna be unfair expectations put on him from that trade. But I do people. I, I do want people to realize something. Uh, I, a lot of Dodgers fans hyped up the fact that they tra- that they traded for Mookie Betts and Mookie Betts was that missing piece for them to win a World Series, right? Red Sox didn't want to pay Mookie Betts, so everyone kind of figured that they would go into a rebuild. So you can't really expect a superstar in return for a superstar. They got Alex Verdugo, and you can pretty much argue that he's their fourth best hitter. I mean, for for he for him to be their fourth best hitter behind guys like JD Devers and and Xander, that's a pretty good guy to have in your lineup. And for Boston to be second in the AL East right now and already looking playoff bound after the Mookie Betts trade, I mean, I mean, you have to give – Mookie – like Alex Verdugo's never, 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 never. Like at his prime, he's never going to be better than Mookie, than Mookie Betts at his prime. Right, exactly. And I will put money on that like, uh, like no matter what. But at the same time, again, adjust your expectations with the kid. He is going to be a very, very good baseball player. And on on quickly on the thing on of uh, the Yankees, like like Daniel pointed out, I will say this: I don't agree with the selling thing, but on the other end of it, I will say they should be buying by selling. And what I mean is, if they're gonna sell prime pieces, then I'm all for it. Like if you're gonna in- start including Gary Sanchez and Glaber Torres in trade packages, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, that's Torres. what I mean. I do mean that exactly. Get rid of some of your prime <laughs> pieces that'll get you back. Not only pieces for the future, but also pieces right now that just have less glam and glitter to their names. Now, look, I'll be honest with the, with the whole Yankee thing. Like, I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but the Yankees don't have a player talent problem. The Yankees have a management problem. That's that, that's 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 really what it is, from from my opinion, right? Not just Aaron Boone, but from the top down. Not not Brian Cashman. I think he's done a good job assembling this team. I think the the philosophy the Yankees play with is back from 2016. They, they're not caught up yet. How uh, Steinbrenner sucks. His dad would be fucking pissed. Like Georgie's like turning in his grave right now, waiting to elbow that kid when he when he like died or something. Like, 
Like, to be honest with you, it, it's kind of embarrassing uh, as a Yankee fan that that's who we have now. Um, but anyway, let's move on. I do want to say this. Uh, in our preseason, we always do our we always do our player rankings. We do them by positions, and we have an overall one. But for our shortstop rankings this year, Bogarts came in fourth place, right? He just beat out Turner. Um, guys who were after Bogarts were Corey Seager, Javi Baez, Tim Anderson, Boba Shett, and Carlos Correa. So I think we have him pretty pretty appropriately marked, though. The guys in front of him, Francisco Lindor, slow start, but he's heating up now. Uh, Trevor Story has kind of had a downy year. And, like, those splits are kind of getting worse away from home. So Injuries, too. Injuries, too. Sure, sure. But for, for, for 2020, 21 specifically, he's probably the one outstanding name that we would be like, yeah, we'd probably move in under Bogarts. Because the other guy's Fernandez T's Jr. And he's probably, if not your front runner for now MVP, right there with Ronald Acuna Jr. So, you know, I think we did a pretty good job overall with, with, with our shortstop ranking. Um, let's move on to our next topic. And... You guys can't see our screens, but I can. And uh, Mr. Uh, Nick over here has Brewers winning the World Series this year. I don't know if that's serious or not. We'll, we'll kick it to you first when we get there. But, you know, the, the Brewers have done it in, in, in a way that I'm not going to say you should be surprised because it kind of makes sense. But you always look at the Brewers roster and think, wow, this is a team that probably should not be anywhere near the top, but they're, they're getting it done. They have a three-headed monster and, and Brandon Woodruff, Barnes, I mean Burns, and Freddie Peralta. So because Nick is our uh, Brewers fan, I'll let you start it off, man. Are you are you so are you being sarcastic or are you really this high on the Brewers? So I if you made me put my money on a team right now, it's not gonna be the Brewers, to be honest. But this is one of those things where last week what I said with the Giants might win the NOS, it wouldn't surprise me. And when you have three pitchers doing what Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta are doing, you cannot count these guys out. And where the Red Sox are doing it all with hitting, the Brewers are doing it all with pitching. And here is an insane stat. Over the last 26 starts, that goes a month, the Brewers' starting staff leads the leagues in innings pitched and has a 2.55 ERA. 2.55. All the starters on the Brewers, not just three these three guys, all the starters combined, leading MLB in innings pitched with a 2.55 ERA. If you have that kind of success, and we talked last week, Dan, you talked about talent versus results in production. Regardless of the talent, and these guys are mad talented, when you have that kind of production, it's damn near impossible to say these guys aren't going to be there because you're talking about three out of five guys that you just know are going to do it. And then when you have the other two of the five and whoever spot starting coming in there and still doing it, that is, you should be scared. Every single team in major league baseball should be scared. So some of the numbers for you, Woodruff, 83 innings pitched, which with all the success that Burns had and all the notoriety that he had, that's 20 more innings than Burns has pitched this year, which means he's going deeper into games. 1.52 ERA. And he leads the league in a 0.723 whip. Side note, Jacob deGrom does not have enough innings pitched to count. So once he gets those innings, it's not even going to be close. But Woodruff leads the league in whip with .723. There has not been a pitcher to have a .723 whip ever for the full season. He's got a .270 ERA+, which means he's basically three times better than the average Major League pitcher with ERA. And he's got a .149 batting average against. That's insane. Then you go to Corbin Burns, 63.1 innings pitched, a little bit higher at 2.27, 
and his whip is 0.85, but his strikeout to walk ratio, 37.4%. That's a Raldis Chapman level strikeout minus walk ratio. And he's driving it with that just amazingly and historic low walk percentage and a 190 batting average against. And Freddie Peralta, a guy that I have on every fantasy team that I could possibly have, I just had a feeling this guy was going to come through this year. 64 innings pitched, uh, 0.531 whip. Oh, sorry, sorry, uh, 0.880 whip and a 26% strikeout minus walk ratio. He has the lowest batting average against on this staff with a 0.133. The, they all have their keys. They all have their benefits. Woodruff just is absolutely killing it in innings pitch. Burns is not walking anybody. And Freddie Peralta is not letting anybody get a hit off him. When you've got that kind of three guys that are throwing that many innings every single week, the only thing you're hoping is that there's no injury. And the awesome thing about the Brewers for me and why a little bit tongue-in-cheek I might put out there they might be the World Series champions is even if they lose one of these guys, they've still got two of them, which is 40% of your starting staff. That's absolutely amazing. And we've seen it in numerous postseasons. If you have two, I mean, we've seen postseasons where one guy carries the entire team through the postseason, a la Madison Bumgarner in 2014. When you have two guys like Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling in 2001, sorry, Yankees fans, you just, it's crazy. If you have all three of these guys all three years, or sorry, all throughout the whole postseason, it's almost impossible to think that they won't completely dominate the postseason. Now they are picking on the NL Central was a little bit weaker, but at the same time, these guys are just absolutely dominating and they've done it this far into the year. I I don't think they're going to win the World Series. I don't know if they're going to, but it's not the worst bet you could make if, if you like the odds because pitching and defense wins championships and this pitching trio is absolutely amazing and they're showing no signs of going anywhere anytime soon. And by the way, Christian Yelich is starting to come back after his injury, starting to heat up a little bit. If he gets back to even anywhere close to his MVP type stuff, now you've got a good middle of the bat lineup or middle of the bat, middle of the lineup bat. And if they make a trade for somebody, and there's a lot of guys out there, we've talked about Cattell Marte, we've talked about David Peralta, even Trevor Story. You get another guy in there to bat with Christian Yelich if he's coming back. Now you've got a little more offense to go with that pitching staff. Brewers World Series champions might be a real thing this year, 2021. It's crazy to think about because a, a lot of their formula is, is turning out to kind of be like the Washington Nationals a few years ago where – a few years ago, like two years ago, man, like the last non-Mickey Mouse title. Um, the Washington Nationals, they did it with their pitching, right? And, and, yeah, they had Soto kind of show out and Trey Turner is a good player and stuff like that, right? Uh, Rendon was huge. But – if we've seen anything for this Brewers team is they are possibly the most annoying team in baseball to really kind of scout and, and figure out. Cause if we look straight to the talent level, right? You, one of your better players in, in Houston here, he hasn't even really like shown out the way they thought he was going to show out offensively, at least not this year. Right. And then Christian Yellick, he's had a slow start. So, you know, they're getting production in different ways. And like, like they mentioned, they don't need a ton of production production just because their starters are going long innings, which is something again, Something we, we typically don't see out of baseball today, you know. It it kind of feels like teams like the Brewers and like the, the Rays are always a step ahead, right? And and we, we see it this year, and the Brewers are doing it again. Yo, Rob, I'll kick it to you, man, because I know that you will never have the Cubs winning the, the division again. But, yo, how good do you think these, this Brewer team is and how far do they take it? Yeah, no, I, I think this Milwaukee Brewers team is, is pretty good. I think – 
I think, however, it's it's the same situation we see year in and year out, right? Like that, like the NL Central is always up for grabs outside of Pittsburgh. <laughs> like you know, like the Cubs are there, but hey, 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 they're on their way. They're on their way. They're, okay, exactly. They're on their they way. Will, like they, they will they get there. there. <laughs> they will get <laughs> there by twenty forty five. Exactly. Like they are in the rear view. Like it's just like they, we're not worried about them yet. Like they're taking every, the frontage road. Don't worry about it. <laughs> everyone else, like yo, again, look. You look at the Cubs, right? Even though. I have my issues with them. Yo, Javi Baez is balling. Chris Bryant is balling. Like, the Cubs are, are are at the top of the division right now. But look, Milwaukee's half game behind them, right? I don't know, how, honestly, how far Milwaukee takes it because you still have really good competition in St. Louis and Cincinnati right there with some of the all-star level talent that they have this year too. But I will say this. Before the season, we, we pretty much sat here and talked about uh, whether it was on this podcast or on the page or wherever. What are the best rotations in baseball? And it was constantly L.A. versus San Diego, L.A. versus San Diego, L.A. versus San Diego. Maybe the Mets, yeah. Milwaukee is in that conversation, 100%, based on these three guys and their pitching this year. Like, if we're just looking at this season right now, these three guys, uh, any contender, and look, Freddie Peralta is, if, if you combine, like, if you combine the stats and the stuff, like, I, I think he's the third best out of Woodruff and Burns, right? And any contender would kill to have a Freddie Peralta on their staff. Like, that's that's the thing. The Brewers are getting tremendous pitching where some other contenders are not, like the one that we just talked about in Boston, right? And they're not, they might not be getting the same level of hitting that other contenders are. So every team is kind of using their benefit. Um, I will say it's a tremendous job by these three guys. They're 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 having great years and I don't know how far Milwaukee's going to go, but I will say if they plan to go anywhere, if they go into the postseason with these three guys leading their squad and and at full health, oh, any team that runs into them is going to have some problems. Brewers looking good, man. Look, and that's the thing. I, again, and we mentioned this before, dude. Like with the Brewers, one of those things. It's like you know they're going to find a way. You don't know how that way is going to be this year. This year's that rotation, and. They'll, they'll find ways to stay on top. Let's go from one, you could argue, overachieving team to one team that is definitely underachieving, and that is the Atlanta Braves. Nick is about to lose some friends. Um, the Atlanta Braves are six and a half games back in the NL East. Now, granted, they have a lot of key players out. You know, Soroka, he's, I don't know if he's pitching this year. He might not, he not, might, he might not get on the mound all season, right? Uh, Enoa's out. Uh, Darnold's out. Uh, Ozuna. We don't know if he's ever playing baseball again, right? So they've had their fair share of, of kind of turmoil there. But this is a team that when you look up and down that lineup, they still have guys like Freddie Freeman, Ron Acuna Jr. is an MVP kind of front runner there for, for that season, Jr. And, you know, Ozzy Albies is still there. So they, they have guys, but, man, just it's not clicking. And, and, and the thing you can point to is that that rotation, that rotation isn't, performing like they did a year ago and like they did two years ago but nick because because you know I, I know that you and james are no longer going to be friends after this i'll let you start it off what do you see happening and it, i know you you were one of the people that were not high at all on the braves you, early on we we're doing our predictions you were one of those people who were like yo the braves kind of suck i don't get it and they're kind of proving you right here so what are you seeing my guy so, James Fleming, I'm sorry. I know you in real life. This isn't just a group. This isn't just Twitter. This isn't just a podcast. I'm sorry, my man. But the Braves have overachieved for a while. 
and I've never been able to put why they're so successful other than Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies. Those two guys, absolutely. But we talk about their we, injuries. We're going to leave Ronald Acuna out now? We're just doing that? For right now. Yes, for right now. For right now. Um, but also, as we've talked about on this podcast and before, I, I don't see where Ronald Acuna Jr. is so good. But he's the production guy. He's got tons of talent. I just – there's certain things that when I watch a player play, I don't see why they're so good. And don't get me wrong. Ronald Acuna Jr. is absolutely a top five – production player in the game but when i watch his swing compared to a guy like fernando tatis jr or a juan soto the swing that he puts out there every single day i don't see why he gets so much success and just a quick offset to that is that's just how fucking talented the guy is from a hand-eye coordination standpoint he somehow can just put the bat on the ball even though his swing and his mechanics probably shouldn't get him there but anyway uh, we talk about their injuries Ozuna, that's a streaky player who's been anywhere from below league average to MVP quality. Uh, we talk about Mike Soroka. Mike Soroka's best year is a 1.11 whip, which is really good. But in that same year, his ERA was a 2.68, which is good, but it's not crazy. And he gave up a league-leading home run per nine runs or per nine innings. So I've never the, – the Braves' talent that's on the field has always seemed to outproduce the talent that I think I see with my eye. And – I grew up in the 80s, and I had WGN to watch them, and I got to see a ton of Braves games because that's what was on TV, even on the West Coast. And when you saw Greg Maddox, you saw Tom Glavin, you saw John Smoltz, and you saw Steve Avery, and you saw Fred McGriff, you could see why they were so good. This Braves team, for years, they've just it just seems like they've outproduced the talent that I think I see and what they're doing on the field. And I hate to say it, but this year it's kind of all coming together where I think we might be seeing what the Braves really are. And they're a decent team, but they're not a league leading team. And to your point, I think they've just kind of, they've come to where I think they've been for a while and they've had a lot of praise and a lot of success, but this is just, I think where this team is Travis Darno last year had a crazy year and he's been, always kind of a top guy from a from a potential standpoint. He finally put it together and he gets injured. That is a pretty good injury for them as far as uh, an impactful injury, not a good injury. There's no such thing as that. But it's an impactful injury where you have a good player who is putting things together and you get hurt. But just in general, like this Braves team for me has always seemed to outproduce their talent. And they're just coming back down to earth this year. And this might be what they should have been. And let's be real, the NL East over the last couple of years has underperformed where they should be. The Phillies have always been a little bit lower than they should be. The Mets always seem to get a ton of injuries. And maybe this is just kind of the cycle of the NL East where the Braves are feeling it. The Nats had their one good year, but they've always had higher expectations than they've ever achieved. This is just the Braves' year, in my opinion. I don't know if they're going to come back this year. They have, I mean, Freddie Freeman, if he gets back to his MVP season, and one thing I did look at numbers-wise is Freddie Freeman, you talk about luck versus production, his expected WOBA, weighted on base average, which I really like that as a number because it shows how much you probably should be on base, is 60 points higher his expected than his actual WOBA. So he could come back to his MVP-type season really soon. Ozzie Albies also started off with a big slump. Ronald Cunha Jr. is setting the world on fire. He could be the MVP of the league. But there's just they have a lot of bad luck, it seems, but I just truly think this is their actual production level compared to their talent level. You know, and, and you kind of see where, where, where you're saying that, right? Because a lot of their main guys are still there. But if we just look at their injuries, man, they're down to a four-man rotation pretty much, right? They, 
they're they're down their their ace their their personal ace which is Mike Soroka. Um, you know they're, they're missing a guy in there who was pretty much their fifth guy in Tucker Davidson. They're down to their third catcher, right? Where Travis Darnold's out, Alex Jackson's out. They're down to uh, William Contreras, who's the other Contreras brother out in out in the Cubs, right? They're missing. Uh, Uscar, you know, who hit a grand slam. He's pretty much out. He might be out till at least August. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Ozuna, Tuki Toussaint. He's another guy who expected to, to be there, right? The reason why people were so high on him because he has kind of that big arm stuff. But he's another guy who we probably won't see this year. So it, it's a combination of stuff, right? Plus, you, look, you're right. The Mets have gotten a lot better this year, right? You add, you add in our in our collective opinions, the best shortstop in the game. You're gonna be harder to beat, you know. What I mean, you add, um, you know, the Phillies. No doubt, they've gotten better, right? Alex Baum's come up; he's he's been great. Um, Harper's is a, an MVP candidate year in and year out. The only team that's really struggling that struggling in that, that division is the Nationals, who, you know, Corbin, terrible. Uh, Max Scherzer's hurt. Strasburg's been hurt. So, you know, it, it, there are a lot of things happening there. But yo, Rob, I'll kick it to you. Because you're kind of in the middle with, with the Braves when we when we first um, stabbed them out, man. W- what are you seeing? Yeah, so I, I'm going to be the other side of the argument here. And I, I'm not ready to give up on the Braves just yet. Um, simply because I think the, the NL East is just that division that's up for grabs. And it's because a lot of their teams are are – not really like no no team in the in the NL East is playing like out of this world baseball. Like if like if we're just gonna be honest about it, the NL East is probably gonna be the only division that that doesn't get more than one representative in the playoffs. Remember, like we're back to regular format this year, so it, it's it's ten teams, not the sixteen from last year. So the NL East is, is probably just gonna get the division leader to come out of that division. None of those other teams uh, seem strong enough to 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 you know compete with a with a San Diego or a Milwaukee you know potential teams that might end up second in their respective divisions um and i think that look Ronald Acuña Jr is he, i mean by by all indication he's just going to put up you know his own historic season like it's 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 obviously going to be the best season of his career to to date and look we all know what's coming at the end of this year especially because Juan Soto hasn't been you know, necessarily up to Juan Soto standard. At the end of this season, we all know the posts that are going to come, the arguments that are going to come. Like, I see Ronald Acuna Jr. is better than Juan Soto. Like, no. Like, we don't do that off of, off of one season. Like, let's let's see, like, two, three seasons and, and then comparison. Like, again, it's just like, just let it be. But I, I look, Atlanta has too much talent, right? The Mets have a lot of talent, like you pointed out. But here here's a real question. Can you depend on... And, and, and I'm not questioning it, you know, like I'm not trying to, to press to press him or anything like that. But I'm just saying, like, can we fully depend on Jacob DeGrom health wise for the New York Mets? Because I feel like. No, we more, can't. That, that's the thing, right? Like, I feel like more often than not in the last few weeks, we keep seeing the Grom's name come up like, you know, little spasm here, little spasm there, little rest here, little rest there. Right. Like and of course, if the Mets if the Mets make the postseason. The Mets go into the postseason with undoubtedly the best pitcher in baseball. Like hands down, he is one, and then there's a gap, and then there's two. Like it's it's that's how good Jacob Degrom just is right now. Like, but again, he needs to be there. If Jacob Degrom gets injured at some point this year and the Mets do not have him, I do not care how good Marcus Stroman and Taiwan Walker are pitching. 
it is a whole lot different to have a Strowman or a Walker leading your rotation compared to a DeGrom. Okay, so like the Mets have to hope that that DeGrom stays healthy for the entire season. If he does and he keeps pitching to the standard that we know DeGrom has pitched these last few seasons already, then, yeah, the Mets have a pretty good chance to, to probably win the division because, again, we have to go back to the injuries. Right. We like we like you mentioned when you first brought them up, the Braves are missing key players specifically in their rotation. So when you're missing two key guys like Soroka and, and Anoa, like, you know, like. And those guys are key pieces for a reason. They're not guys that are easily replaceable. You can't just go pluck some guy from the minors and be like, here, take over the ace of our staff, right? Like it, it just, it doesn't work that easily for, for, for everyone. So I don't know, man, like I, I'm not ready to, to like quit on them because I think that they just have, they have comparable talent to everyone else in their division and, and the standard that they're playing. They're only six and a half games back. I remember, uh, I don't think it was last year, but I think the season before, like, I think uh, I had placed a bet on, like, the Phillies winning the NL East or something. I think I think it was, like, the first season that they signed uh, Harper. And the Phillies were up, I think, around this point, like, June or July, they were up, like, five games on the Braves in the division. And the Braves came back and won the division. I think the NL East is still that type of division where you don't really know who the winner is going to be. Um, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm also... Uh, like you made a good point. You said I'm kind of in the middle with it, right? Because I'm also not ready to say that they're, that they're going to win the NL East. I hope they do because I actually did put some money on them before the season to win the division. But um, I, I think they're going to stay right there. I, I honestly, I honestly think the NL East is is going to be is going to be decided probably as as close to the end of the year as you can get, like within like the last two two weeks or so. Because I think that's just how 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 close the talent level is to where a lot of these teams are just going to remain like that for the, for the rest of the season. I think the Braves are, are in a position where they've definitely underperformed this year. I, I don't know if, um, you know, if, if I were going to put money on that division, I would still put it on the Braves just because like, look, the, as good as the Mets have been playing, this is the best they've played since their 2015 world series appearance. You mentioned the Grom stuff. It, it does scare you, right? Because I feel like every other week it's, hey, look, he goes out there, he pitches an absolute crazy game. The next week he he, he leaves the game early because he has his knickknack injury, right? Uh, you know, at one point, when is that going to be a serious injury? Right? Not that anyone's like hoping for that, obviously, but it's something you got to think about, right? Because it, it it will matter, right? I don't believe in Taewon Walker as much as he believes in himself. Um, Marcus Stroman, he's another guy who's been absolutely killing it. And this is contract year, so this is the year he should be killing it. But he's not a guy that I necessarily see as un- unbeatable or un- by any stretch of the imagination. I-, I think the Braves' rotation is definitely a concern. I think that the worst thing to happen to the Braves, actually, is the fact that the Cubs are so good because now they don't have anyone they could trade for that uh, third baseman, Chris Bryant. right? If we look at like the third baseman free agents that are going to come up next year, it's really Chris Bryant. Cal Seager is a guy they, they might trade for, but probably not because he has a pretty big salary. So they, they might not want to take that on, right? Jose Ramirez, he's not going anywhere. Noro um, Renato, he has a player option, but he's not getting traded anywhere, right? Um, after that, you're kind of not left with much. You know, Mikio Franco of the of, of Baltimore, maybe he makes an appearance for them. I, I just don't know, right? It's, it's not something that was an upgrade as much as we thought they, they'd be able to have at the beginning of the year. So I think it's it, like real question mark the Braves, but that, that whole division is going to be division is going to be competitive all year long. They're going to be beating each other. There's, they're going to be ups. They're going to be downs. So 
it's going to be the, I think it's going to be one of the funner divisions to watch this year. Right. And it always is, especially because the East is, is so close and, lo- and locale wise, man. But yo, that's pretty much it for us. Yo, Nick, Rob, do you guys want anything to say before we get out of here? Not much, man. Not much. Uh, just everyone to keep paying attention to, to baseball this year. Like I said, at the start of the episode, we're not done with this sticky substance stuff by far. We're going to continue to be on here talking about it as the season moves on. And, yeah, just continue following because we're seeing some pretty good stuff. Vladdy, Tatis Jr., Acuna Jr., DeGrom, like, yo, baseball's back, man, and I love it. Yeah, I got two things. Number one, I'm a jersey guy. I got, I think, 80 jerseys overall. I've got, I think, 25 out of the 30 teams. And I heard the one of the best jersey ideas I've ever heard. I want to get a raised jersey with the last name opener and the number is one to two innings. That would be fucking dope. <laughs> uh, but there was a tweet put out, uh, or a bunch of tweets. So Thomas Nito, Marcus Stroman, Kevin Pillar, Trevor May, James McCann, Taiwan Walker, all back Jacob DeGrom. Of, he doesn't use this sticky stuff. He's not that guy. He doesn't need it. He's the GOAT. Well, I did go to Baseball Savant, and I looked up his spin rate. And when you talk to or when you listen to or hear a bunch of the stat guys looking, anything over 100 RPM increase in spin rate is probably pretty significant. Well, since 2015 to this year, Jacob DeGrom's fastball has increased 200 RPMs. Now, don't get me wrong. When you throw 100 to 102 miles an hour, that spin rate isn't going to do a whole lot, but that might be why his speed is up there. But here's what's significant. His off-speed, his breaking stuff is up 400 RPMs, and his, his breaking stuff actually spins faster than his fastball now, and it didn't used to. I love me some Jacob DeGrom. He's been my player of the week. I think we've had maybe 20 weeks of baseball so far, and he's been my player of the week for 24 of those 20 weeks. He's doubled up on a couple weeks. He's that damn good. Guess what, guys? Everybody is using the sticky stuff. I truly believe even Jacob DeGrom. The numbers, if you're looking at it with other players, you know, a la Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, his numbers aren't as significant as theirs, but his numbers are going up. So it's just part of the game. Sorry, Jacob DeGrom. This is where I'm pissing you off, your fans, your teammates, and your Mets fans. Uh, you're, I think you're using it too, but guess what? It's okay. It has not been illegal till now. So who gives a shit? Just play the game, make the rules what they are, make sure the penalties are deserved and don't do it in the middle of the year. That's all I got. Man, look, and for me, I'm going to end on, on this point is, and it's about injuries, not just the pitchers, but in general, look, we're, we're coming from an augmented season, right? Uh, baseball hasn't played in 60 games. Those guys prepare for 162. So don't be surprised if you see things happening like in the NBA where the later the year gets, right, once we push past that 60 games in the MLB, which we have already, guys start getting hurt at a at a more frequent pace, right? Last year was a weird year, and that weird year is going to kind of fall into this season and, and even some next season, you know what I mean? So, you know, especially with the guys rehabbing, it's definitely going to affect them for even maybe two more years, depending on what kind of injury they had, you know? Uh, so be on the lookout for that, right? Um But yo, other than that, yo, Sticky Icky, let's get it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Diamond Talk. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. To catch up on our old episodes, or if you want to check out the rest of the awesome pods that we have under the SSAW network, head to our website at tssaw.com. And do not forget to subscribe. See you all next week, and we'll catch you on the field.